Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actor Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students. And I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I'm super excited to introduce my guest. He's an actress who's worked in television and film, both in Hollywood and the UK for the past 21 years, starring in popular award-winning dramas such as Damages and Once Upon a Time. She's embodied a variety of roles from CIA villain to fairy tale princess. The role she's most proud of is that of a single mom to her her eight-year-old son. In recent years, her passion and interest in psychology has led her to coaching, through which she supports and empowers other actors to step into their power and live their greatest potential. I want to welcome Anastasia Griffiths to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. So I created this podcast to inspire other artists to follow their dreams, right? If a kid like me can come out to Hollywood at 18 with 200 bucks in my pocket, a one-way ticket, didn't know a soul out here, and, and be living the dream, then why can't that listener out there, right? If, if, if someone like you can, you know, coming from the UK can, you know, take on Hollywood and, and you know, being walking the red carpet in the Emmys and working alongside, you know, A-list actors like Glenn Close and William. I mean, I'm, you, you, you know, you made the dream a reality. If you can do it, they can do it. So I'm, I'm super excited to have you on the show because you're doing some amazing work with coaching actors. And I just want to talk about your journey. Like how, when did yeah. you know that you, you know, wanted to be an actor? How'd you get started in the business? Well, I think my story starts like many other people's story, which is there was a moment in childhood where I felt completely seen and appreciated. And it was nine years old at school. I had six older brothers who were all doing their own thing. And I was never the most academic or the most sort of spectacular in any way. And there was this moment where I auditioned for the uh, for Oliver Twist. And I went up for the role of Art, the Artful Dodger. And I got the role. And I remember the morning after the first performance being stopped in the street where, where I lived in London by a mum who I didn't know, who had seen the performance the night before and had told me that I was incredible and that she'd loved my performance. And for me, I just suddenly, light bulbs went off in my head, like, this is it. I'd mm. love the whole process. I'd love, you know, the going to school and speaking in a Cockney accent for three weeks beforehand because we had this wicked drama teacher who suddenly made me feel alive. I'd loved all the process. But it was that moment of like, I am seen and someone's appreciating me um, that that really the penny dropped for me. And that was that I was completely addicted to the whole thing. I did come from a family where my mom, my mom had been an actress for a small amount of time, but she'd given it up to raise kids. My dad had married her when she was very young and had four sons already. So she stepped into being a mom very, very young. But her passion for it, I think, fed me. And it was a way that we connected. 
in my childhood and I could sort of earn her respect and her attention, you know? So I think like so many, it comes from a deep longing to connect to the humanity in all of us, whether that's through the storytelling itself or whether it's through the process of doing it. I hear it all the time and I see it in the kids that I, I sometimes work with children or my friends' kids, that when they step out there on that stage, it brings them to life, um, especially the ones who really get it. So that's how it began. And I never thought for in a million years that I could do it as a profession. And it wasn't until my big brother went off and did it as a profession <laughs> that I was like, hold on a second. If he can go and do this, surely I can. And that's where it kind of began. It's funny. We got similar story. You know, I I was 11 in school and, I, you know, I come from a broken home and I, you know, my dad wasn't around. So I was a little boy that needed to be loved, you know, and my mother was, you know, kind of dealing with her thing. So there wasn't, you know, the, uh, the only way I really kind of felt loved was when I was like, you know, putting on a show and performing and I got a little, you know, a little pat on the back and, you know, that's, you know, there was an, uh, I was called hyperactive at school and, you know, there was one teacher that saw something in me and she would let me go from classroom to classroom and do my little performances. And then there was a, a play they were doing about uh, music throughout the ages and I got cast as Elvis Presley. And <laughs> I, uh, and, and, but the, the, the amazing thing was, is the teachers told all the students to write their fan mail to their favorite character. So Elvis got a shoebox full of mail. So <laughs> that's when I really like felt like love. I was like, look at all this mail. Like everybody, they would like love my performance as Elvis. What am I doing next? You know? And, and that's really what kind of set the hook in for me uh, as, a, you know, wanting to be an actor. Yeah, amazing. I mean, what, I, what I'm what i hearing us both say is that it was fulfilling a need that was being unmet, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, ultimately we can get into what I'm doing now in terms of the coaching, but that is always what we do as humans. We will find a way of meeting unmet needs because ultimately an unmet need is a threat to survival. So we've just programmed to figure it out. And you and I found the path of least resistance that we're going to get our need met by performing, by telling stories, by being on a stage. Other people are creating other versions of meeting their needs. And I think what's what makes actors such incredible people, and, and I think one of my favorite things about the whole, the last 21 years of my life is the people that I've met along the way, the people that I get to call my colleagues and my friends. And I think what's incredible about actors is we tend to be what's called highly sensitive, right? Like we tend to be missing almost a filter to our nervous system where we can read other people so intricately and they don't even need to say a word for us to know what's going on. I think other people would call this empaths. And I think most actors or artists, creatives tend to be empaths. But what this does mean, it means that we're very vulnerable. Mm. It means that we're really sensitive to other people's judgments. We'll understand what's going on um, non-verbally, even when someone, you know, if something is incongruent, we'll, we'll feel it. And then we go and put ourselves in this industry, which is, which is challenging. And so a lot of what I, I love about the stories of how people become actors is that we were fulfilling 
or filling wounds. And we're not going to get heavy, but it's every human being has challenges and has adversity. And um, when we get underneath and get into what has brought us to these moments and really understand those sub subconscious beliefs that have brought us here, we can really take our power back in and strengthen ourselves, even through that vulnerability, right? And use it as a superpower. So I've kind of got into where the coaching took me, but what I love about these stories is that we've acknowledged the humanity in our journey. And it's, it's about meeting these really core human needs of being loved and appreciated and seen and, you know. You know, you know but the, the thing is, for me, is I didn't, you know, as an actor, I didn't know why I was doing it. Not until later on in my life where I started really doing some inner child work, you know, healing that inner child, uh, you know, because, you know, Billy... Billy had a rough life. If there, if there was a checklist of everything that could possibly go wrong to a child, I check all the boxes. You know, mm -hmm. it was, it was, a, there was a, it was a very violent. There was a lot of abuse. So, so you know, Billy's need to be loved was, you know, it, it, he, I, he, I felt like, you know, oh, this acting thing was going to fill that hole, you know. Yeah. But, but then you get the success, you know, and it was a great motivator, and it drove me to, you know jump on a plane, travel 3,000 miles, go to Hollywood, bang on the door, you know, make the dream a reality. But, you know, when when I had the the fame and all the stuff that you think is going to make you happy, right, you got the dream, you got the TV series, you got the paycheck, you got the money, you got all that stuff, there was something missing for me. And I, I mean, I literally was on the set, like after, you know, doing a taping and I, I, I was sitting in on the soundstage and I was like, is this it? Yeah. yeah, there was something missing. And and what I found was, is I was trying to fill a hole and, with acting, thinking that yeah. that was going to make me whole. And yeah. it doesn't, you know, that's the work you have to do. You want to, you want to do it because you're passionate about it and you love it. And I believe me, I was very passionate and I love the craft of acting, but you know, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't fix anything, you know, for you. And no. this business can even make you worse, you know, because there's the rejection and the, all the stuff that goes along with, you know, the, the career. Yeah. I mean, my story, my story is similar in that, you know, I never expected to have a massive American television career, which for a few years there, that's what was going on. And um, I mean, I came out to the U.S. and um, with like you, 600 quid in my pocket, I sold everything, landed in New York. And two weeks later, I was on the set of Damages. Um, wow. Yeah, it was very quick. Um, once I kind of made that intention to go for it. That's and, the key. Yeah, I, I, it was a very clear intention. And I talk a lot in my coaching around, you know, you really have to visualize it. You have to, it's almost the archaeology of your brain. You have to use that imagination to put yourself exactly where you want to be. And I had this amazing skill of doing that. And for a few years, it was all new and really filled me up. And then there was this moment where I realized, you know, what, wherever I go, there I am. And mm -hmm. that, that longing to be acknowledged was filled in that moment of like, you got the role. And then I'd be really pumped for about 24 hours. And then I'd have this sort of fear would set in, oh, I'm not good enough. These internal like stories mm -hmm. about, you know, that would, would begin to sort of pull me down. And, and I would realize that I just wasn't actually very happy, even though I was living this dream. 
And um, it was then that I started doing this work in psychology. I started studying psychology. I started doing the spiritual work. I started trying to understand the subconscious mind, trying to understand what was going on energetically that I, I wasn't satisfied um, because I knew it wasn't going to come from the outside in. And through that journey, um, you know, I've, I've had, I've realized one, that what I wanted more than anything was a child. What I wanted more than anything were these deep, deep relationships that for me had felt undoable. And so I've kind of almost backward engineered it. And I've been like, right, okay, I'm going to really go for what, for these core needs and really go to meet these core needs and rebuild the part of me that doesn't feel like it's possible or doesn't feel like it's worth, I'm worth it. Um, soothe them, heal them, do the inner child work, do the shadow work, which I can explain a little bit more about what that is if anyone's interested. But, but do interested. that and then come back in and enjoy all of the trappings of this incredible business which isn't at fault for any of this, but I do think like the glitzy lights and the big promises can pull people to it in the hope that they're going to fill those holes that both you and I discovered. But it's but the industry itself is not is not going to do that. But we need to do the, the beautiful work to understand what it is to be human, so that we can tell the stories of these human characters and and hopefully take the audience on that similar journey. It sounds like we've been on a similar journey, you know, because for me, it was, yeah. was when I, I have a beautiful 16 year old son and, and the greatest role that I've ever played is the role of father. You know, now I get to be the father that I didn't have. Now I get to be the husband that I, you know, that my father wasn't around, you know, so I, I, I you know, all the stuff that happened to me, now I know it happened for me. It was all a gift. It made me who I am today. It made me the father I am, the teacher I am. But, you know, when I, when I, at 40 years old, when I, you know, when I had my son, I was like, uh, it's not about me anymore. You know, acting was about me, you know, ego, me, 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 me. And then, and then when it stopped being about me, it's about my son. It's about my wife. It's about my family. It's about love. It's, you know, it, you know, it was a game changer. You know, it wasn't, you know, I was like, there were, there were th things that happened, you know, in my life that really changed the course of my life. You know, I was dealing with a lot, like my, 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 10 years ago, before I opened up the studio, you know, I, 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 um, I was dealing with a lot. I, I lost my 11 year old niece to brain cancer. I lost my stepfather to prostate cancer. My wife and I, uh, had a miscarriage. My dog ran out and got hit by a car. You know, my wife got diagnosed with breast cancer. I mean, it was like the world was, and this happened in one year period, like everything was beating me up. I couldn't work. I tore my arm, uh, my rotator cuff and uh, my labor. I was in a sling. I was out of work. Like, you know, it couldn't, it was just the worst time ever for me. And, you know, during my wife's healing journey, you know, she's cancer free, thank God. But, you know, during her journey, she wanted to become a yoga teacher and meditation and she'd come home from her yoga teacher training and bliss and nah, and I'm sitting melting down on the couch and she's like yeah. you really should try this meditation thing you know and I was like yeah well like I'm gonna be able to turn off my the noise in my brain but you know I turned to that and I went and I and I did my teacher training and, and it was life-changing you know to to yeah. to to really learn how to breathe and to get out of my head, you know, the monkey brain, the noise that's going yeah. on, that 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 the, the little voice of that that little broken child that's, 
you know, going to tell you fear and you're not worthy and, you know, all those things and learning how to shut that down. And, and it's, it seems to me that that's the kind of work that you're doing, subconscious mind work and stuff like that. So I'd love to talk about how yeah. how you shifted in your journey, you know, what you were going through and, and having, you know, to find your path to what you're doing now and to becoming, you know, the mom that you are and the teacher that you are and the actor that you are. So what was that journey? Uh, it really began just around the time I was doing damages, I remember calling a really good friend of mine and saying to her, I'm not happy. And she was like, I'm going to do this silent meditation retreat and you're going to come with me. And I was like, I, I'm not sitting in silence for a week. Are you kidding? Anyway, we went off. We went off to this thing called the Art of Living, which is um, an Indian organization with a guru. And um, they introduced to the Western world some really great practices that that are quite palatable to us and I sat in silence for five days and that was the beginning of the journey of realizing the chatter in my brain like really beginning to start becoming the watcher of that experience and not be the experience itself so that's that's the first step that I begin with clients is like an actual practice of a process that can quite quickly allow them that experience of taking a step back and witnessing that we are not the experience we're having. We're something else. We are the witness of it. And therefore, we can hold so much more than we think we can. And we can separate ourselves from the pain, the physical sensations, and the thoughts, right? And then from that point, I, I was building my acting career at the same time as, as building my sort of existential experience of of spirituality and these practices, but it wasn't until I'd really had a lot of it, a lot of success, and I had I was dating this guy who ended up revealing that he was living a double life. Essentially, he was with someone else at the same time, um, and our whole life was based on on lies and deception. And I remember getting this email from his girlfriend. Um, who he'd been with for a long time. And I remember my body just hitting the floor. And I'd never had such a dramatic experience before where my whole body just collapsed. And in the year, in the, I think it was about a year after that, I started developing all sorts of illnesses. I started having, I had Hashimoto's, I had Lyme's disease, I had all this stuff. It was my body just shutting down. And it was the physical manifestation of the emotional psychological experience that I've been putting myself through for years of overriding myself, pushing myself. I'd had experiences on set that had not been okay, but I hadn't processed them. Um, I'd had, you know, all sorts, all sorts going on. I'd had eating disorders. I was so hard on myself. You know, I'd see myself on camera and the internal dialogue was just hideous you know and now I look back at that lovely 33 year old girl and think you know she was gorgeous mm -hmm. and she was doing amazing work and I, I just couldn't I couldn't see any of that and it was in the it was in this year this post this this sort of trauma that like you said I look back on now and I am so grateful for and like if that hadn't happened mm -hmm. I'd have kept riding this wave of numbness and not really acknowledged never acknowledged you know what was what was really going on which was dissociation you know I was being inauthentic I wasn't in my body and I was being driven by my subconscious mind and now 
I don't know how much you know your audience is aware of the of this sort of conversation around quantum physics and manifestation, but the idea is we are five percent conscious decisions and ninety five percent subconscious, um, which means that most of what we do, our behaviors, our choices, even our thoughts and our actions, are driven by a part of us that was programmed way back in childhood, mostly between the ages of zero and eight. And at that time, our brains are such that they are just downloading information. And the information is telling our whole nervous system, our whole body, how to survive in the environment that we were born into. So specifically your tribe, your family. So for someone like you, you know, you had a lot of adversity that you had to overcome. Now, some of those, some of that download would have protected you brilliantly. And it would have created a resilience that has allowed you to come to Hollywood and have the bravery to do the incredible things that you've done. Some of it would not be helpful. It would be things like I'm not worthy of X, Y, and Z, or, you know, I, I, I don't experience love, or, you know, there are, there are negative and positives that come out of this, but your subconscious is always trying to protect you so you will survive. So what we actually have to do when we want to start to take our power back from some of the programming that we have received that may not be helping us, you know, for me, it was a lot about my self-worth. I'm not interesting. I was the youngest of seven kids and the only girl. I mean, no one in my family wanted to play with me. You know, there was a lot that I downloaded, which is not, you know, a sob story. It's just the facts. You know, I downloaded, I'm not very interesting. Um, if I'm if I'm going to get attention, I have to have a problem. That was a big one for me. Like I would go into victimhood to try and get attention. So I was always creating problems. I was always creating, you know, illnesses or breakups or drama in my life because that's how I received love. And so in order to take my power back from this subconscious, I had to ultimately become very aware of what it was telling me. And so what I do with clients is um, I use a, a process called EFT tapping along with some other modalities, but EFT allows us to go into the subconscious mind by using the body, right? And, and memory. And so I'll take people through a journey where we'll go into a very current situation. Maybe it's nerves going into an audition, or maybe it's breakup scenarios, or maybe it's, it's self-worth. Maybe they're doing, they're overeating or um, they've got eating disorders. And we'll go into how they feel in the body when they're in a certain scenario and we'll start tapping and we'll, and we'll and we'll give ourselves unconditional love for that experience that they are having in that moment. I love you unconditionally just the way you are. And so you're creating that safety for them to go into an experience that's quite uncomfortable and you're holding space for the part of you that you would normally try and deny. The part of you that you're going to try and squash down or ignore um, that's screaming for your attention. And for me, it was definitely, you know, there was an inner child in there that was screaming to be heard. And so in that process, I'll, I'll take them safely in. And inevitably, at some point in that process, I'll say, when is, and they're quite deep at this point, when was the first time you ever remember feeling this? And within moments, they will be like, I'm three years old, I'm sitting here, I'm doing this, or I'm at my locker at school, and X, Y, and Z has happened. And you're now beginning to get to the root cause of this pattern that has been playing out in their lives and in their adulthood for years. And through going in and then meeting the need that that part of you 
is feeling unmet and you can sort of step up as your sort of higher self, as the witness to hold space for the part of you that has, has this wound. And by doing that, you can then soothe that particular pattern. But then we go into a process where we, we start to use our, our imagination to create the experience that is more supportive. And it's a sort of hypnotic experience at this point, because really to change the subconscious, it's two things. It's repetition or it's hypnosis, right? So you need to, as an adult, going back and re and refiring different synapses, i.e., creating new patterns in the brain, you have to go in and, and repetitively visualize, see a different scenario, show up for yourself, create safety, and then focus on where you want your life to go. And through that, I've created this process that we can do within 20 minutes that will really support people to get to the root but then also really design how it is they want to show up in an audition and how do they want to feel when they're on set and who, how do they want to feel with the partner that they, that they would like to meet? You know, what is that going to feel like for them so that they can begin to step into healthier habits and patterns that will lead to the next action that will lead to the next outcome? Love that. Yeah. That sounds amazing. You know, I, I, you know, I do a lot of similar work with my actors. You know, I, li I like to dig around a little bit, you know, kind of figure out what they have, you know, what's what stories they're holding on to, you know, because I know for me, I, I have had so many stories, you know, uh, i give you yeah. a perfect example. When I was a little boy, my mother used to drag me to the mailbox and open it up and go, look, your father doesn't send child support. So that little boy would bring a whole lot of story, a whole lot of meaning to that, right? Like, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve money. I don't deserve, my father doesn't love me. I mean, like so much, I mean, I can go on and on and on and on and on yeah. about, about stories that were created around uh, just a woman and a child walking to a mailbox, opening it and closing it. I mean, that's what happened. But the story that I created, I carried around with me for a long time. So when I did have success in Hollywood, well, guess what? When I got that big paycheck, you know, star of the show paycheck, I was flying to the Caesars Palace in Las Vegas and pissing it away on a roulette table. But when exactly. I had a woman in my life that loved me, I was sabotaging that love because I felt like I wasn't worthy of the love. I didn't deserve the love. So I was letting little Billy's story run. And, you know, little Billy, so it's a bullshit story. You know, it's a story the little boy yeah. created, a damaged little boy created, but that's not the truth. So I like to, you know, dig around and figure out, okay, what's the truth, you know, and change the story. You know, yeah. uh, you know, for me, I, I had a, a stories of abandonment, you know, like my mother used to, you know, my mother had to work three jobs to support me and my two sisters. You know, she was doing the best. She was young, trying to do the best she could with what she had, you know, and she would bring me to a woman to take care of me. My mother f told me she didn't see me till I walked. So, you know, when the woman, your father abandons you and your mother doesn't see you till you walk, you grow up with some abandonment issues. 100%. And your mom is doing the absolute best she can. She in that. So this isn't about, you know, we're never in the blame game. This is just about no one gets through childhood or life without adversity. And in fact, if you do, you're not growing. If you do, you're not actually having to face yourself because the human experience is, is one of separation. You know, we come into this world as part of this woman's body and then and then birth in itself is a separation so it is part of the human experience that we will experience pain it's just how we allow ourselves to process that and and I actually started my coaching 
working as a parent coach because I'm so passionate about these first seven years. And then it was only recently I was like, you know what? The people that I love the most, the ones that I really want to support are are actors because I think we're such a unique tribe of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, I think we're very sensitive and I think we're doing incredible work in the world. But I know so many who struggle. I know so many who are fragile. And I I think the irony that we go into this, this incredible industry, but one that comes innately with with massive challenge even the most successful of us are hearing no all the time we're we're experiencing rejection on a daily basis so whether you have that as a core wound before you come into this business or whether it's something that you develop because of the business we better have some school some skills and tools to navigate it it's not to say that it's unhealthy and it's bad the business doesn't do it to us on purpose. It's just a very busy environment with lots of people who want to do this incredible work. And so my my thing is, let's not demonize the business that we live in, but let's give ourselves the strategies and tools so that we can thrive, not just survive, right? And, mm-hmm. and through it, through the adversity that we experience in this business, we can become healthier, happier people in general because the work that we do will impact our relationships, not just for us, but I know now I've, I've recently got into a relationship for the first time. I was single for eight years after having my son and very recently started a relationship again. And the person who's in a relationship now, having done this work over the last 10 years versus the one who was in the relationship in her early thirties is just a different human being. And that's impacting him right? It's impacting how he shows up. It's impacting how he shows up with his kids because it's all skills. It's all interpersonal skills that we may or may not have ever been taught. And so the one thing that I I feel like I, what what you do that I don't do is I'm not, I'm not doing acting classes. I'm not teaching anyone to, to act or even flex that muscle. What I want to do is come in and do the emotional resilience work right do psychological work of like right let's maximize like let's get you so in the game that you that you're clearing out all the shit so when you go in and do that audition you're such a clear vessel you're so authentic you're so getting out of your own way that your success rates are going to go up your success rates in relationships are going to are going to boom you know you're going to have better relationships with your children like Whatever success means to you, that's what I'm talking about. And it's not just, you know, the paycheck or the booking the roles. It's like, how do you create a successful life? And there's no better place for me to put my energy in this, I think, than with actors who are constantly telling the human experience to everyone around the world, right? Let's empower these people. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're storytellers, you know, we're storytellers, but we're also... you know, for me, I, I figured out that I was telling myself the wrong story, like, you know, around events and in my life. I was, you know, uh, for like to go back to that story where my mother dropped me off at that lady's house, you know, and that was a story of abandonment. Like, oh, my mother is abandoning me. But now when I look back at it, I changed the story to my mother loved me so much that she knew she was not capable of taking care of me. So she put me in the hands of somebody who could. 
that's awesome. a that's a better story to tell myself than uh, abandon or me the victim or I'm not worthy. You know, I am worthy. I'm worthy of love. Uh, you know, money, all that stuff, everything that's mine by divine right. I I deserve it and it's mine. And I if if you step into your power and you know who you are, this bag of bones called Billy is not who I am. You know, I'm a king, you know, I, I, this beautiful light within me, love, you know, I'm, you know, created a masterpiece. There's nothing wrong with me. I used to walk around thinking there was something wrong with me. I was damaged. But, you know, and I tell my actors this all the time, that they have to step into their power and know who they are. They're not their thoughts. They're not this bag of bones. You know, they're not, you know, they're not, they're this beautiful light, love, peace, joy, you know, and if they can come into an audition scenario, not in fear, but coming in, shining their light, stepping into their power and knowing who they are and coming and being, a, I love acting and this is my my chance to act. And it's not about getting the part. It's about me coming in and playing and having fun. And, you know, the, those casting directors have a problem and I am, you know, the solution to their problem. And you're welcome. I love that. I love and, that. And coming from that kind of energy, that light, love, right? Love is the highest vibration there is, right? And if you come from that, you know, people are going to be well, magnetized. They're going to be want to want to work with you because there's something about you that's your star power yeah you want to do the work and all the choices and as an actor but that's the cherry on top when you own who you really are and come in shining your light not in fear but in faith i'm i'm, I'm here to play yeah 100 it's very 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 magnetic and when you dig into you know i i don't really deal with sort of manifestation manifestation is a very big um buzzword at the moment but the reality of when you when you can step into your power and be fully present because you are not being taken off in all these different directions by the subconscious thoughts that are just not helpful in the space. You're not having ticks in your face because you're nervous and you're really in your healthy parasympathetic nervous system, even when you've got the spotlight on you um, and you're in that presence, you can tell the story you're a clean vessel to tell the story that you have prepared, that you have, that you've created from reading the script, from doing the work, from doing the work that they do with you. But it's that presence and it's, and that presence in itself is just, it is magnetic. It's the thing that when you see a master on screen and, and you can just connect the humanity in their eyes, it's because of that presence and they've gotten out of their own way. But also, when we talk about, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you know his work. Yeah. Um, but I'm a big, big fan. And the reason why is because, yes, he's doing the manifestation work, but he's doing it on a very scientific level. And it's this resonance between the imagination and the heart. And when you really visualize and put yourself in the worth of what it is you want, when you really resonate with, you know, I am in... I'm in my body, I am, I'm holding hands with the man of my dreams, I'm on the beach, and you're working with the energy of, of what it would be to be in that person's body in that life. You do inhabit that in, you know, you open your eyes, you come out, and you do inhabit that in the next choice you make, or the next interaction you have with your kid, or, or the next audition that you go to. And in that, you change the identity that you're stepping into. And ultimately, this is the work that I do. It's like, yes, it's subconscious work, but we create identities for ourselves as um, th that we hold on to very tightly. Um, like I said, it's always about survival. And sometimes to even step out of that identity feels like a threat 
because for us human beings, homeostasis is safe. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't, even if it's a hard experience. But when you slowly break through and shift the identity that you are aligned with, and you can begin to see yourself as an actress who's walking the red carpet at the Emmys, and you're in your body, and you're calm, and you own it, um, or you're walking into that audition, and you're going up for the role of X, Y, and Z, and, and you just fully step into the energetics of that character, and you feel what it feels like to be nailing it, and to be getting this incredible energetic feedback from the casting director and, you know, stepping into that reality will mean that in the next moment when, when you, or when you're practicing your audition or you go into that next meeting, you will carry some of that identity with you. And the idea is over the time that we work together or over the time um, that, and I'm still doing this for myself, but through the work, you recreate the identity that you resonate with. And then, then the world will meet you there because we'll believe what other people tell us they are, right? And we're reading people all the time on an energetic level. And so it's really, it's about creating, yeah, it's about creating that identity that you can really step into and own and live with every piece of your imagination and then making that your reality. It's beautiful. You know, yeah. we talk, you know, you talked about, you know, when you first came out and you booked the job two yeah. weeks in, you know, to, for damages. I mean, so, you know, I, I, I'm a true believer. I, I mean, I, I have a lot of proof that, you know, your imagination, seeing yourself there already and then going after it, like relentlessly yeah. with a vengeance, I'm going to go get this, Right you know, taking massive action in the direction of what it is that you want, yes. you know, what is what makes the, the dream, the hard work, but makes the dream a reality. I give you a perfect example. When I was 16 at the height of my juvenile delinquency, I was <laughs> literally like I had ran away from home. I was back in my mother's custody. I was sitting on a couch. I was watching a TV show and it was a show called The Fall Guy with Lee Majors. And it was about Hollywood and stuntmen and stuff like that. And I was in, living in this world of trauma and stuff like that. But I was watching that show and I said to myself, I'm going to do that. And I saw myself doing it. You know, it was mm -hmm. all like behind the scenes, Hollywood and stuff. And I saw myself doing it. When I got out to Hollywood and I banged on every door in Hollywood and I finally found some rinky-dinky agent that was willing to send me out on my first audition, well, guess what that audition was? It was for the fall guy. And guess what? The, it was a guest starring role. And guess what the character's name was? Billy. <laughs> it was and yours. You, it's like, you know, the universe said, oh, oh, okay, this is what you yeah. want. And literally, it's like I climbed, I got that part. I got my SAG card and I was off to the races. It's like I climbed into my television and there I was on the set yeah. with you know, Lee Majors that I grew up watching on the $6 million man and, you know, the fall guy and yeah. Heather Thomas. And it's like, there I was. And it's like, how did I get here? Well, it was the, my thoughts that I said, I'm going to do it. And I believe that the I could power do it. of the emotion that you felt in that moment, you were in such a, a dire moment. And it was such a connection that you had to that show at that time. Like I am going to do that. It was the strength of the feeling, I believe, matched with the imagination, one or the other, it doesn't have the same power. 
Um, and I have a very similar story, if I could share it, about having my son. It was really a year after all that drama had happened. And um, I'd met my, I knew my son's father, but we weren't dating. Um, and it had been my birthday and he drove me to this yoga studio so I could do a class on my own with this incredible yoga teacher in Santa Monica. And in that class, they got, they want, had you on the mat thinking, really imagining what it is you wanted. And for me, I had, I had this incredible sensation of love rush over me. And I just saw this little boy sitting with his back to me on the beach, cross-legged. And he had sort of sandy, dark brown hair and buttery skin. And I just felt so strongly this, this love and this belonging. Uh, I was his mother and I felt what that was like. Two weeks later <laughs> to the day, I was pregnant with that little boy. And wow. when, when that boy arrived, and, and I had been told that I would have trouble conceiving. I would that the pregnancy would not be possible for me. Um, my son's father and I were together for a very short amount of time. We both believed that we were brought together simply to bring this soul into the world because he was just coming through. And then it was about a year after, year and a half after he was born, I was sitting on a beach and his back was to me. And I was like, oh my God. It, yeah, it was there it is. him. Yeah. But it's strength of the emotion and, and when you talk about um that there were a few moments in my career where I knew I mean the big ones the big ones that I got I always knew that I got them and I knew because I'd gone in there with a particular kind of an energy where um I talk about going into the architecture of my brain which is really this identity thing where I had the ability to connect with that character on an emotional and an imaginative level that I almost kind of stepped into. And it happened with like the three biggest jobs that I've done. And I remember walking out of that room and being like, there's just no question. Like I knew it was mine. And I didn't know where this power or this ability had come from. And there's a few moments in my life where I look back and it's like, just punctuate my life. And of course there were so many auditions that didn't go that way. Where the, the thought and the fear and the and the imposter syndrome came in. And so you, look, I don't think it's something that is that is just meant to be. I think you can take the power, but I think you need to be in a primed nervous system state. I think you need to have done the right preparation. And for whatever reason on those occasions, it just really connected and resonated. Mm -hmm. But it's real and it's powerful. And if we're going to break through in this industry where, you know, the odds are against us, right? We've got to do extraordinary things to really believe that we're capable of it and that we're worthy of it and that it's ours and that we get to enjoy it. I agree. You know, let's yeah. talk about imposter syndrome and nerves and yeah. auditioning and stuff like that. How, how do you how do you deal with that? Well, I have this tool called EFT tapping, which is mind-blowingly effective um, for the nervous system. So I personally always use that. Like for a while, I went through some serious anxiety, and it was it was there that I found EFT. Someone suggested that I do it, and it would take me down from panic attacks. But when you're going into an audition, it's an amazing way of getting pr really present. It Can you give me an example? Well, yeah, because what it, what it does, EFT tapping is called emotional freedom technique, and it uses the meridians in the same way that acupuncture does. But we don't need needles. We can tap on the end points of those meridians. So it's like the energy superhighway of the body. And when you're nervous, this is all really frayed. 
but also you're meeting yourself where you're at. So you'd start with, you start by tapping on this point here, which is called the karate chop point, the side of the hand. And um, you'd be tapping there and you say, even though I feel really scared and I can't take a deep breath because I'm about to go into this audition and I don't think that I'm good enough to get this part and I'm going to be exposed. I love and accept myself completely just the way I am. And you do that three times tapping on this point. And then I would just go around tapping on the points that I know to tap, which are the inside of the eye, the outside of the eye, underneath the eye, under the nose, under the mouth, collarbone, under the arm and the top of the head. And what this does is just regulate the nervous system. It allows us to go into the sensations that are uncomfortable that we're trying to avoid. We know now that when you're trying to avoid an emotion, it will get bigger because it's trying to be heard. When you go into it and meet it face on where it's at, you almost go into it like it's a bubble or like you're a little earthworm going into the soil. The thing pops and dissolves. And on the other side of that, you've got presence and stillness and you can actually be back in your body because what's happening when you're nervous, you've gone into fight flight, you're actually dissociating from your body. It's a physiological response and you have to meet your body's needs in that moment because your body thinks it's about to die, like it has to run. So rather than running, you're gonna sit and you're gonna be with the sensations that are coming up, be present with it, rather than turning your back on it. So then you can find some point of stillness. Um, but I would also always say before an audition, there is work to be done in terms of the visualization and in terms of getting into the skin and the energy of the character. So after you've done that grounding, then I would really use the emotion. I would use a visualization with your mind and your heart to really step into the experience that that character's having. So you're now out of your experience and into theirs, right? And that's what I would call embodiment of the character. Do you do breath work with that? Yeah, you can do breath. I mean, I, I do box breathing when I feel when I feel out of body or I'm feeling nervous. But what you'll find is when you go around and you do the tapping, your breathing settles on its own. But I'm a big fan of breath work too. Absolutely. It's an incredible tool. What is your advice to actresses out there that are breaking into the business or maybe they're in the game and maybe they're frustrated because their career is not going exactly the way they want it to go? Get real. You know, take radical responsibility for the stories you are telling yourself. Um, I think one of the hardest things to tell people is that on some level, you're getting what you want. And that sounds really messed up. But when we begin to ask ourselves, what are you gaining from the situation that you're in? Really looking at how you're protecting yourself. Then you might start to realize that even if it's not what you say you want, on some level, you are being successful at meeting your own need. So if you're in Hollywood, you're in, you're in LA, you're going for auditions and it's not happening, asking yourself, what is it I'm afraid of? What, what am I afraid will happen if I do book that job? What am I afraid will happen if I am a huge success? And when I did this for myself, I realized that I was absolutely terrified of going to the next level because if I had been that bit more famous or that bit more well-known, I'd have been hounded by press. I'd have been bitched about in public. I'd have had 
so much criticism because that's what happens. And I knew I couldn't cope with it. I knew that my ego was too fragile, that my self-esteem was too fragile. So I was really protecting myself from the next, from the, from the step up, right? I had friends who were there. It was tough. I also realized after that massive breakup, because my career started to, to fall apart a little bit at that point. And as I said, I, I had some health issues. I realized I had made the connection that that guy had been with me because I was what I was on television and I was rich. And so I did the very best I could for the following couple of years to never be on television and not make any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started breaking out in hives, like my appearance changed. It was a way of protecting myself from, from predators. And so I had to go in and do that subconscious work, create that safety for myself and retell, just tell myself a different story. And then you start surrounding yourself by different kinds of people and you start choosing different kinds of men. And suddenly your story gets to be different, right? You start going down a different path. For me, that meant I became a mom and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I made some different choices. Um, I still do act but I do it more on my own terms and my son always comes first. So, you know, it's, it's not easy because you can't be in a hotel in Vancouver for six months, but we're figuring it out. And I think now we're getting back on the road and he's going to come with me and do some homeschooling and we're going to reinvent, reinvent it. Um, But it's on my terms and it's aligned with my values and what I want my life to be about. So it's just, you know, if, if you're struggling Asking yourself what you're what you are protecting yourself from, and getting really quiet and really real, and listening to what the answer might be. It's beautifully said. You know the self sabotage, right? Yeah. Like I, I've done it. You know, I, I know what it, that is. That getting to that. Oh, then everybody's going to know me, or people are going to you know, really see me, or you know that imposter syndrome, or you know, it's all that that noise coming from that little child. That little yeah. voice saying that you're not good enough and who are you to, you know, have this stuff and be this, you know, you know, it's just, it's, but it's just really, truly noise. And mm-hmm. it's being able to like kind of guard the gates of your mind and put a little bodyguard standing at the gates. So when that little voice starts coming and telling you that those lies, you go, no, 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 you can't mm-hmm. come in. You yeah. Know, the big thing. An amazing amount of awareness. And I don't know if people are always aware of the voice even. And I think that's that's the tricky thing about the subconscious is it, it's there to be subconscious. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was Carl Jung, the psychologist, who said, you've got to make the, consci- the subconscious conscious or it will rule your life and you will call it fate. And that is the backbone of everything that I do. And so partly that's, you know, it's that aware, it's deepening that awareness of what are the stories you're telling yourself and then doing, you know, going in and reparenting, like loving that little boy, Mm. loving that little boy who's still in there. He'll never go away. He's still, but he just doesn't get to have the loudest voice. Right. Mm. Or for me, loving the little girl who thinks that she's, she's broken and not interesting, right. Going in and just holding her in that. And I do I wake up every morning and check in, like, how are you doing today? What do That's you need beautiful. from me? You know, like, what do you need from me? Because now I have the experience of being a mom. I know how I want to ch- turn up for my own kid. And so I do that 
periodically for as a routine for myself. Because let me tell you, I'm 45 years old. I've just started a new relationship. And oh my God, the sabotage is still there. Mm. I still want to create fights because I want to, you know, I want to push him so he can tell me I'm safe. Like, and, and he's got his own shit and it's just not going to work. So thank God I've got these tools because there've been a number of moments where I'm like, do you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to step away for two minutes. <laughs> I'm going to go and take care of whatever the fuck is going on here because I want to pull this house down right now. I want to destroy everything. Um, and I'll go and do that and I'll go and do my little process and I'll come back and I'll be like, I'm so sorry. That wasn't about you. And, and we can have a sort of humorous conversation about what the fuck I was telling myself in that moment that was so close to trying to sabotage this whole beautiful thing that we're both trying to build. Mm. Um, so I'm not saying that we will get to a point where the sabotage never happens. You know, our, our patterns are strong and, and they're there because they want to save us. But we can begin to recognize them and our awareness can get stronger and stronger and stronger. So and we can get the skills to go in and be like, Do you know what, I'm going to love all parts of me. And that's really that's really what I'm talking about here. How do you love all parts of you so you can show up more powerfully in the present moment and not be reacting to what happened in the past? What is your morning routine? Is, do you have a morning routine? Yeah, you know, I've got a I've got a eight year old kid, so it's not it's not what always what I'd love it to be. Um, but once I've packed him off to school, um, and if I get a moment before that, I wake up. I check in with my internal dialogue, which for me is my inner child. I soothe her. I tell her I love her. And I'm like, what do you need from me today? And I will, I'll just listen more than anything. Um, I tend to have more a nighttime routine because once my son's in bed, I've got that time. And I get in a bathtub almost every night of my life. <laughs> I live in the UK, so we're allowed to do that here. And um and I do tapping. I, I lie there and I, I do what's called inner child tapping, where I, I check in with what's going on. There's inevitably fear. There's inevitably uh, something, you know, something happening in the relationship or financially or whatever it is. And I check in and I hold myself and I go into the experience I'm having in that moment through the tapping. And I go back and back and back. And I eventually get to the root, the root cause of that fear and I will soothe it. Through the EFT thing. Yeah. Love that. So if, if you know somebody out there that's listening to this wants to learn more about what you do or be coached by you, how can they connect with you? Um, my website is anastasiagriffithcoaching.com and I'm on Instagram as the Anastasia Griffith. And people can DM me, message me. I am I'm very available. I want, I want to speak to the community. I'm in the, I now coach one-on-one -on -one and group sessions on this particular material. Um, but I'm coming out to LA in um, April and I would really love to go in and support people in person in various classes and workshops and things like that. I just, I want to feel in connection with the community um, that you're serving and, and that, that I know in Los Angeles um, well and when you're here in April, I mean, I'm I'm going to be producing a movie. I'm not sure exactly where, but if I'm here, I would love to have you come and talk to the actors and maybe do a workshop. That would be great. I would love to do that. It would be such a pleasure to be in person with, with these wonderful people. 
Last question. So if you could go back and give some advice, life advice to the younger you, what would that be? Yeah. I think I'd go back. Well, the first thing I'd say is you're perfect just the way you are. But I think I would just want her to know that she is in control of her own experience, that she's not a victim to the world around her, that she can take her power back and change how she's feeling in any given moment. Beautiful. I can't thank you enough for coming on to the podcast and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. Thank you so much for reaching out. And That's I, my pleasure. Thank I you know, so much for having me. I know it was last minute. I said, can you jump on today? And you said, yep. And we, here we've done it. So I, I'm very grateful to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a total pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.